Did you listen to our first ever episode? Episode zero zero. Yes, I did. I did. Um, I'm assuming you did too. I did as well. And we should probably preface this by telling everybody the reason we did this is because, you know, we started this podcast at season two at Asylum um, just because we liked season one and thought it was a great show to talk about on a podcast. And so we, that's the reason we did this whole rewatch season, of course, but in our, so our first episode ever was an asylum preview that included kind of a review or, I mean, it was, it was not comprehensively, there was not like a big portion about murder house, but we, we talked about it. Yeah. Um, also just going back and I, I mean, we talked about how early on in the season we had our hundredth episode of this podcast, which is kind of crazy. And, uh, I don't know how, how far our technological capabilities and our uh, on-air voices have pro- progressed since then is, is kind of cool. Oh yeah, uh, I was super. C- certainly in my that. case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, any thoughts that came to mind? Um, I thought you sounded really young. <laughs> I mean, you were you were young. <laughs> I was young too, younger. I think I, I was anyway. But you sounded very young, and I thought I sounded way too calculated. <laughs> Like, you said it's smart and really insightful. Hard. I was impressed. I, I I was actually impressed too, and the quality was not that bad. I I was impressed with the quality. Um, I, there are a handful of episodes throughout the 112 episodes that we've done that are not up to par, sounding professional. But um, the first one I was True. I was very happy with. Actually, also I'll be honest. I stopped listening after we started talking about season two. I just listened to the beginning of where we gave our thoughts on season one, and I and I stand by what I thought. Then I, I was impressed. I was like, "Yeah, that's right, Chris." Yeah, I was going to ask you what you thought of the. Well, we'll get to the. I want to first just start off by saying what we said. So obviously, we talked about how much we enjoyed season one. We talked a lot about. I think so. We had our our two standout actors. From season one, uh, the first time through, were Evan Peters and Jessica Lange. We waxed on about both, but especially Jessica Lange. That was, of course, after we knew she already won the Emmy um, from that season for Constance. Mm-hmm. We talked a little bit about how Constance was based on Blanche from Golden Girls, that Ryan Murphy <laughs> yeah, thought, which I'd forgotten. That was great. Yep. Um, and also how Ryan Murphy had seen her in a production of Streetcar Named Desire on Broadway, I think it was. And that's what made him realize she was the right person for this role. Mm-hmm. Um, and overall, I think our assessment of the end of the show is that, or the end of this season originally was that we felt it was maybe too neat and tidy. So I'm so excited to talk with you about that. Oh. But uh, shall we actually get to uh, yeah, let's, starting this thing let's, off? Let's do the real show. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast about the FX hit show American Horror Story. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host. Chris Husted. What's up, Tyler? What's up, everyone? How are you guys doing? It's crazy. Hey, folks. We've come to another end of a season. I know, I know. Man, we, of course, today are reviewing episode 12 of Murder House, titled Afterbirth. You know, as we were saying kind of in our little intro, we kicked off this, you know, um, rewatch season because there was no American Horror Story in 2020. 
it just felt like we couldn't stay off the air without talking about this show for a whole year um, without engaging. And so I'm so glad we finally did this. People have been suggesting it to us for so long, and I thought it was we, a lot of fun to go back and rewatch. We've been suggesting it to each other. Every time the season ends, we always promise everyone that we're going to really consider going back and doing season one. Right. It was kind of a silver lining in some ways that we had the time and space to do it because we have all sorts of American Horror Story content, hopefully coming in 2021, that we can look forward to. But before we really dive into things, I guess I just want to say thank you to the folks out there who listened to this rewatch season and hopefully you enjoyed revisiting Murder House as much as we did. Yeah, I think we've uh, picked up some new listeners too, at least according to the, some of the messages people have sent us. And that's been awesome to to come together on something that's 10 years old. It's awesome. So welcome new people. Hello, our old friends. And you guys are truly the best. We love you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I don't think we ended up getting any like messages or email or anything between last episode and this episode. Um but as always, you know, even after this season is done, you can always reach out to us at thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com or join our conversation at um, facebook.com slash thisamericanhorrorstory. And, you know, we can uh, chat about last last season. We can get excited about the seasons to come. Um, we're, we're always looking to to build out that community and to share, share the show with you guys. Uh, before we really dive in to everything and then also kind of our uh i guess full season evaluation um as always chris what are you drinking tonight i have a special drink tonight i have um from a local i don't know if they'd be considered brewery but it's a um it's a cider company and uh it's they've they've just started here in in columbia missouri and it's waves cider and i have their semi-dry cider which is pretty tasty haven't had that before and i also have a shot that I'm going to take a uh, Four Roses bourbon. What do you have? I am drinking the classic, um, you know, apple cider and bourbon, cold. Um, nice. Even though it is cold outside, uh, I just felt like that's yeah. appropriate. So, Mine's cheers a, to another season. Yeah, cheers to Murder House. Cheers. Ooh. Now, <laughs> before we really die. <laughs> I don't usually have a shot uh, from the jump off. Ooh, okay, here we go. Mine was like a deconstructed <laughs> version of yours. There you go, yeah. You, okay. You're getting all uh, ga- gastro, you know, molecular gastronomy on me with the deconstruction. <laughs> all right. So, let's talk Afterbirth. This episode was directed by uh, Bradley Buecher. Uh, you know, American Horror Story director, all-star. It was written by Jessica Scharzer, who um, I, I think, did she already do it? I think she might have done another episode of this season already, too. I don't remember exactly which one it was. Um, but let's start things off with the cold open that uh, started nine months, um, nine months before kind of the, you know, current situation. Remember last episode is the one where Vivian gave birth and died. So why don't you yeah. go ahead and kick things off? Yeah, and real quick, Jessica did Piggy Piggy, the that episode. I just checked. Um, mm. Yeah, this cold open's a pretty quick one uh, and, and pretty basic. It's just a nine months ago flashback where we get Vivian preparing to leave. She's going to her sister's. Um, she has her bag packed, and Ben says, hey, check out this house that he's got pulled up. 
It's the dream house, you know, the 20s uh, glamorous style of the old Hollywood. Um, and he's trying to convince her to do it. And she says, the house isn't going to fix it, Ben, which is the relationship. She's done with it. Uh, and he says, let's just get on a plane and go look at it. And that's uh, when he, they all should have listened to Vivian there and not gone to look at this house. Um, and I believe that's where it ends. But uh, we do, I, mean, I think maybe we get a quick cut of him searching the house, calling for Vivian right before we, okay, we do, right before the credits. Um, and he's looking for Vivian because we know, uh, just to recap, like you said, Vivian died in childbirth last episode and Violet is dead as well. Uh, so, uh, and then one baby went with Nora and the other baby TBD. We're not exactly sure yet. So Ben is searching for them. That's, that's the basic, uh, gist of the, of the cold open. Not, not a lot there. You're right. It was a pretty quick one. I had a question for you based on this. So, you know, clearly Ben is like bewitched by the house. Um, and like, he's trying to use it to seduce Vivian to stay with him. My question for you is, is Ben just as an individual actually taken with the house? Or do you think this is like the house's power speaking to him all the way back in Boston, like drawing them it's like, like a magnet all the way from over there? Yeah, it's like Pulse or one of the like, horror movies where it reaches you through technology. Like you watch the Rings video or something. You pull up the listing on um, Zillow and it just starts pulling at you. Uh, it could mm-hmm. be. You know, it's a, it's a hell mouth as we learn later on. So there's there's a chance that it could be. Um, I'm not sure. I like to, I like to think that there is a little bit because that makes it more fun, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know about you, but like even even not remembering exactly how things played out in this episode, the vibe you immediately get as he's wandering around the house that I was getting is like, oh, Ben's gonna kill himself. Um, mm. Of course he is. Like that's that's where things are going. Um, that's that's the vibe I feel like we, we're getting right off the bat. Um, so I guess let's go ahead and, and dive into what exactly is going on. You know, Constance has been taking care of Michael while Ben has been dealing with Vivian's impending service. Now we don't exactly know how much time has elapsed between when Vivian died and when these things are going on. It seems like it's been at least a few days. Um, It makes you wonder a little bit how Ben explained. I mean, I guess he just said she died in childbirth, but uh, yeah, to the, to the ambulance ever show up and like ask her like, well, who delivered the baby and where is the baby uh, or not? Where's the baby? Where's the other twin? (laughs) Um, Where is, yeah, uh, yeah, I, there, there's a lot of questions, it, it, and it's American Horror Story. Let's just skip over that and get to the good stuff, right? <laughs> right, totally. So Constance is clearly possessive of Michael. I don't even know if he has a name at this point in time, um, but we know we know he will eventually be Michael, um, seeing as, of course, it's her grandson, which mm-hmm. I guess I guess Ben knows at this point, right? Um, even if he's I, like... He figures it out when he goes to pick up Michael. Well, yes, and he definitely figures out that Constance is Tate's mother, which yeah. everyone at this point knew but him pretty much, I think. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I, Constance is some... Yeah, go ahead. No, nah, so there's a few things that I'm like, wait, didn't he already know that? I guess he didn't. Right. But yeah, anyway. And Constance gives a pretty pretty uh, intense speech about you know forces in the house um, that mean to deal the child harm. Which I don't know that I actually believe, given that the house wanted to create an antichrist in the first place. So maybe she was just misinterpreting the house's obsession with the child. 
Or maybe she thought by taking the child, by taking Michael away from the house, the house wouldn't corrupt him. Um, and she was just wrong about that, you know. Oh, that's a good point. I didn't think about it that way. It could be that or, yeah, if the child went back into the house and the house would claim it forever and she would never have that child. Yeah, there's a few ways. I mean, yeah, maybe it. maybe she thought, you know, she had Tate in the house and then the, the house like corrupted Tate. But maybe, you know. If she, the baby that was born in the house, left the house, it wouldn't have the same opportunity. But clearly, we learn probably too late for that too. Right. Well, not probably. <laughs> um, one thing like is is Ben doesn't really seem all that distraught by his wife and daughter being dead here, and maybe that's because we like he's already set on what he's going to do. Um, but he doesn't seem ap- as devastated as you think he would be. That's a good point. I didn't think about that, but he does seem to be a lot more chill going through the house, uh, making all these decisions and choices. And, you know, a lot of people who have made the decision to uh, try suicide um, would be more at peace. This is just from some of the reporting and research that I know, but um, you've kind of already come to terms with what your choice is. And, he may already be there, but he puts up a good fight to make sure that little Michael goes with him. So I don't know. Right. He's also a weird dude. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I mean, Moira, as Moira and Vivian are just like witnessing Ben move around, you know, the house and they're intentionally, you know, keeping themselves invisible to him. I think that Vivian even points out that Ben is more sanguine than he has been in the past. And it made me wonder if like, maybe, maybe now that the baby's born, the house has like released him from his like, you know the hold it had on him before and so even though his family's dead there's like some kind of internal demon that's been cast out of him for now even though we know, we do know what he's going to do so maybe it's just it just is that he's going to kill himself or wait know what he wants to do right um but vivian this so moira says something to vivian like you always go back to his defense when talking about ben and it made me question like why does vivian always go back to ben's defense she says it over and over uh, in this episode, especially toward the end, and she said it during the season a lot, too. She always said he is a good father, and I think that's his one redeeming quality in her eyes and kind of how she's able to forgive him, possibly, in the end, because she knows where his heart is with when it comes to his kids. And I think that's the re- one largest reason that jumps out at me why she would be so defensive. Not so defensive, but defend him. Uh, even in a small way, um, when someone tries to challenge his character for what we know is actually a pretty shitty guy who is a cheater. Um, do you think, I mean, is that any other reasons why you think she would defend? Yeah, I get, well, there's one more. So there's one more thing I could think of, too. Like when you've been in a relationship a very long time, maybe you don't want to admit publicly that you made a mistake. And you will say nice things. It happens in a, in abusive relationships too, where people defend uh, their abuser. And I'm not saying that this is exactly their situation, um, because they want to believe in the goodness in that person, and also don't want to look like a fool. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think those are both really excellent points. You know, the other the only other thing I can think of is you know now that she is dead and a spirit in the house. Like she also, I would I'll also say that she seems a lot more at peace, you know, I mean, way, way more at peace. Um, obviously the house isn't haunting her anymore. Um, she has yeah. nothing really left to be worried about 
being terrorized by. And maybe it's just kind of given her her all new perspective just on the ways the house terrorized Ben also and the hold it had over him. I mean, obviously she can still blame him for everything that happened in Boston before that, but maybe, I don't know, it's awoken a little bit of empathy in her as well. Um, we also get a little bit of a, a nice scene here where Moira basically reminds, you know, Vivian that in the afterlife we're equals. Um, but it's not in like a mean way. It's kind of as like their friendship almost levels up in that way in that, you know, it's not a, you know, subservient relationship anymore. I like that. Um, I liked that. Yeah. Obviously in a way that her relationship with Constance certainly never did. Right. Moira seemed altruistic for the most part. So I think well, at least around Vivian, she has that weird thing with Ben, but, and some of the other guys, but all, all in all, I love seeing their friendship come together Yeah, as equals. You know, so we do end up seeing that Ben's plan is to kill himself. You know, he lays out all the cars, all the notes. He's preparing things for, um, you know, Vivian's sister <laughs> we never end up seeing. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I kind of liked that in order to get to his, like, the point where he could kill himself, he kind of a little bit reverted to bad boy Ben with, like, you know, he was smoking and he had the liquor. And I I really wanted him to be wearing his leather, leather jacket in that scene. He wasn't. He wasn't. But... <laughs> and his fedora. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, which I thought was fun. Because it's, it's, I, I feel like that bad boy Ben is, like, you know, the wild Ben from his younger years that he referenced to Tate. That's, like, his reference to him. Maybe it's, like, mm-hmm. hit, you know, origin ben's real origin or something and he's like eh. so i thought it was kind of fitting that he did that and you know the picture of violet starts giving him second thoughts and that's when vivian of course steps in just in time to save him um and then finally we get we get a we get a redemption here ben is now finally remorseful for everything i mean he was remorseful for things in the past but it's like now there's nothing to hold back on no lies left to be told um and he you know at this point finally he's he's pretty accepting of the the beings living in a house alongside him and and you know doesn't seem too bothered that vivian is still too weirded out that vivian's is still a spirit that's there and she forgives him and so we do know that she's kind of come you know the relationship has come a long way in that regard um all the trauma that kind of led to this point is is over and you know violet's there too and they have this happy little reunion um and all all vivian wants is for her for him to take the the you know the sun their remaining son which isn't even really ben's son he points out and, and run um i don't know what how, how did you feel about the little kind of family moment i loved it uh i i thought this this is a great scene and this is where you know it really sets it up for the tragedy <clears throat> that be that befalls the entire family in the next sequence um i don't think what comes next ben's death would hit as hard if we hadn't had these emotional beats with the Harmons right before you know, where Ben says, that's not even my kid. And Vivian says, but he came out of me. So like, take that baby and get out of this house. And, and seeing him as a single father, and even though I'm not a single father, but like, and the baby crying and just, and I was having a really, I was, cause I've been staying at home Monday, Wednesday, Fridays with the baby trying to work while taking care of her like that hit me really hard and i was just like stressed when i was trying to watch it during lunch while sarah was home watching the baby and i could hear the baby crying i can hear the baby crying right now sorry i may have to pause but i was like oh my gosh this is like you just i just felt for him i i really connected with the whole family scene there and um i think it, it hit harder than it did the first time when i watched it nine years ago 
because of the dad with the baby. And so, but I, I thought it was you know really good. Funny? It, it wouldn't have carried the yeah, weight but... in the next scene if we didn't have this sequence with, and, and a lot of the core of some of the best beats during the moments during this uh, season has been when Vivian and Ben really kind of get to the, the truth of, 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 of the matter. And we kind of see that happen here at the end of with Vivian and Violet dead telling you know, all saying essentially everyone's saying their piece before they never see Ben again, or so they think. What do you think? Totally, totally. I I agree with you. Um, I, I want to talk more about this when we get to the end of the episode, but I I do feel like there's there's a perspective I feel like that has evolved since the yeah in the nine years since we saw the original. Um, I don't know. I, I I thought it was I thought it was a sweet touching moment too, and I have more thoughts that I'll elaborate on. And we get to the point where we we're doing our actual, you know, review and rating, but uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. This was this was I thought this was a sweet moment. I was glad they finally got there. They they toiled so hard, and it took two out of the three of them dying to get to that point. Mm-hmm. But but their family was, I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, like Ben wasn't entirely wrong in the cold open when he said the house would fix everything. It just took one, you know, it took them dying to get there. Morbid place. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, But of course, as you said, on the way out, you know, with, he's going to do it. He's going to live with the kid and the house has its revenge. Hayden shows up. Hayden. Larry, Larry makes his little appearance. Um, No, that wasn't Larry. Was it? No, it wasn't Larry. Because Larry's in prison. I thought it was Larry for a second. Who's the person that grabs... They, I know what? that they have the, the murderers who were there from... Um, the break The night... The Halloween... or The home invasion. Yeah, not the Halloween night. The, the, the home invasion. Um, who was the person that grabs him from behind to begin with? I could not make out their face. I, I saw the one girl from the home invasion, and I could not make out who the other person was. I feel like I saw the guy from the home invasion, too, but I don't know if he was the one who was grabbing... Ben from behind her if it was another another dead spirit mm-hmm. we're forgetting um but yeah so it, basically yeah they they string him up by the the light fixture and that's the end of it you know and in the end Constance was right the house was gonna not gonna let him go he probably shouldn't have came back but at the same time you know he gets to be there forever with his family also you know Violet and Vivian could have maybe helped with this would have been nice or maybe Tate could have had a redemptive moment jumping in and doing something um, but they kind of I, just all let it happen. This is where the episode shifts for me from what could have been really great to like, all right, like I like we can. I think it's more tragic if Ben lives, to be honest, and has to live with his the knowing that his wife and daughter are dead, and he's got this other child that isn't technically his, you know, biological child. Um, that's that's more tragic to me than what they end up doing given the shock of him dying is interesting and you know does paint a different or set set the family for a different course but it which i don't like as much um i don't know i i think they could have made a different choice here um but i but the one they made is still interesting i didn't hate it i just the more i've thought sat with it for years the more and watch rewatching sure. it now i'm like it would have maybe been a little more tragic had he lived it would have been more tragic if that was yes it would have been more tragic um i agree with that now of course we do get some additional tragedy happening but we also have we have a, a range of things fast forward to the ramos family 
Yeah. You know, and Marcy, our favorite racist realtor, and, uh, you know, <laughs> has Vivian's dog in tow. Um, yeah. And of course, the couple, you know, the Ramos has a uh, family, has, the husband and wife have a handsome young son. And, you know, Marcy paints the Harmon murder, as, or, well, Harmon deaths, as, you know, a love story. Mm-hmm. A tragic <laughs> um, love this, story. Distraught husband, yes. So many tragic love stories happen in that house. Um, but then, you know, even though Gabe ostensibly doesn't believe in ghosts, he pretty quickly makes a, has a run-in with our, our old friends, the Ginger Twins, and uh, <laughs> realizes that maybe, maybe things are not um, as, uh, you know, just creatures of nightmares <laughs> i mean he was skateboarding uh, in the house serves him right for those twins to show up and start yeah scratching up those nice wood floors yeah come on man <laughs> aren't you like um, 17 Violet... it's weird to be like that yeah skate. come on bro like that's like what a 11 year old would do anyway have some respect uh violet violet shows up of course to to flirt with gabe a little bit and dig through his music um well, Tate watches sadly from the hallway. Do you think she was actually interested in him at all, or was this just kind of a rubbing it in Tate's face situation? Um, I think she was excited to have a friend, like someone yeah. her age, because I don't think she's friends with anyone, any of the other ghosts. I, obviously, she chased or told uh, Tate to Tate go to away. Go she could be friends with the nurses. They're kind of close to her age, possibly. But uh, I think she was just hanging out oh. in her room, and she's like, oh, this guy seems like my age, and I'll talk to him. Maybe. I don't I don't think she was trying to like I, I, I really think she like does not like Tate. You know, she's yeah. she she thinks well, he's the worst and she doesn't want to like make him jealous or anything. She's just you know, does not care about him. Well, I mean we will learn that later when she has the line or or um I think Ben tells Tate this that like you know, she can't she can't forgive you for things you did to other people. And mm-hmm. so it's like it's it's an irredeemable situation. Um now downstairs, the the Ramos, uh, Miguel, and do you remember the wife's name? It was like Stacy? No, Terry, something like that. Um, basically, uh, they're making the house their own already. You know, um, they're about to christen the house too. You know, um, they actually seem to love each other, which is unique for the couples who live in this house. Um, and Vivian and Ben just kind of awkwardly watch. Um, and kind of make it, it a touching really moment. Weird. It's like very voyeuristic. <laughs> um, and they suddenly want to have another baby. So there you go. The house strikes again, trying to implant whoever's in the house with, with another antichrist. But yeah, different different couples dynamic than we've seen with past couples who've lived here. Um, so the good forces in the house have to conspire, you know, Moira calls them the innocent victims, to make mm-hmm. a plan to push the Ramoses out of the house. Uh, of course, we see this happen uh, in in ways that are familiar to us. Uh, Miguel walks naked down to the burners and starts turning them on, just like Ben did early in the season. Um, again, attracted to fire. This is something I didn't I didn't like. Didn't even quite process as much, you know, that the house I guess like sparks arson in some people. Um, mm-hmm. We know that certainly from Larry's wife and children and the way mm-hmm. Tate lit Larry on fire. Um, we also see, you know, a variety of the good spirits uh, scaring them out. We see Bo. We see Larry's wife makes an appearance. We see the nurses make an appearance. Black Dahlia is there to scare them. Even our, even the exterminator in full gear yeah. makes like a little I cameo. I love that he just, I feel like he didn't even, he, they just told him to show up. He just stumbled into the basement. And they're like, <laughs> Stacey was like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, and then Vivian and Ben like brutally murder murder each other for effect. <laughs> Just to scare them that, that was a great scene. I liked that. Yeah, it like, was good. It was all very like it felt funny. like they probably rehearsed it or something, but it was good. Oh, totally. It was. I mean, it's the old haunted house trick. Let's let's you know pull a fast one. It was. Um, do you think they really meant when they said like things like, um, "Oh, you don't know how long I've been waiting to do that," and "Oh, you don't know how long I wanted to do that." <laughs> I mean, like. I think that they meant. I think maybe they did, but I think that at this point it's it's not but like as dark fun. as it would be in yes. real life. It's like a playful thing, you know what I mean? Yes, I agree. Um, it, it almost seems like they. I mean, it does seem like that they're. This is actually like connecting them on a higher level. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but we do have an actual dark thing that happens. Of course, Tate is haunting Gabe, um, and he's different now. It's, he seems different. He seems more worldly. We learn later he, he's more like he's aware of what he's done. Um, Violet's changed that in him probably for good is the implication we get. Um, and he decides he's going to give Violet a forever boyfriend uh, <laughs> by, by killing Gabe too. Um, but he feels guilty about killing for once in his life. Like he's, he, he, he backs away. So we, this, we talked about whether or not he kind of has a transformation and, you know, Violet believed that she did make a difference in him. And I think this is proof of that, that he does, you know, he wants to do it for. He thinks he's. He still is like clearly a sociopath and thinks he's doing her a solid uh, by doing this for her. Uh, but he feels guilty about doing it. But of course, she comes in just in time to save Gabe and also basically distract Tate long enough with her goodbye to to let Gabe run free. Mm-hmm. Um, and as the Ramoses run out into the night, we return to our music from the opening opening sequence, yes. opening cold open. Uh, the song is Tonight You Belong to Me by Patience and Prudence. I looked this up. It was like old. I, think, I don't remember if it was like 30s, 20s or 40s, or 30s. something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or maybe even 20s. Such a creepy song. It's. And I thought it was like a good full circle. Um, enjoy, enjoyed having that moment. Now let's talk about uh, Constance a little bit for a second. Unless you had something else you wanted to say on that regard. I would say, fun fact, they, that song is also played, I believe, in Return to Murder House uh, during Apocalypse. I think you're right. It's... It, it, this was the like we said uh, i think in episode one like the beginning of using kind of this juxtaposition of like this weird kind of childish playful music in like dark situations mm-hmm. um back at constance's house the detectives are back the ones who were investigating the murder of travis um it appears that constance was the one who found ben and of course we get a little bit of the background here where she cool she scene. blames basically violet for for running out with yeah. <laughs> uh the baby somewhere um you know, they try to run statements by her, and, and we we see that Hayden stole the baby originally. Constance comes to retrieve him, and we do... This episode is full of, you know, people who have died in their little cameos, you know. Travis comes back, he still loves Constance, and, and time to slit Hayden's throat and save the day long enough for her to take the baby out. Um, and of course we learn, which, you know, even if we hadn't seen this before, we kind of would have figured Constance has Michael hiding in a closet, waiting to raise him as her own mm-hmm. or her cousins she says to the yeah, actress yeah that was that was fun that that was a great acting scene too wow mm-hmm. so final couple uh, well final couple sequences we have here because uh, time is starting to move forward now a little bit in bigger jumps uh, we see t- some things speed ahead you know the Ramoses are obviously gone the house is for sale again and the murder house tour stopped by just in time to piss Marcy <laughs> off <laughs> yeah that was great Marcy, like, drop this house. You don't have to represent it. 
even even the murder house tour guide i I enjoy that this episode gives us a little bit of like a wave to all these little bit parts that we we saw throughout the season um and we of course get this the scene in the study between ben and tate um Mm. and really like tate is coming back to try to like i don't know i think probably find a pathway back to violet but ben just shuts him down completely you know Mm -hmm. with calling tate a psychopath um, and really kind of just shitting on the whole concept of therapy. Yeah, um, I, I, I like didn't it, remember this. No, did, did he really, did he really, I couldn't tell if like he really meant this and now he's just like, feels like what he did for a career was a total bullshit, he was a bullshit artist or if like, um, or if he's, he's just, just kind of screwing with Tate. Yeah, or if this is like Ryan Murphy talking about what he thinks or, you know, what the writers of American Horror Story feel about therapy. Yeah, I think... A little bit of all of that, possibly. Kind of like Tate's character. It's hard to know what actually is the truth here. Is this a character who's just like not buying into something that he bought into his whole life and just throwing it to the wind and saying, "Yeah, it didn't work." Um, yeah. Or is he's it dead him now, trying so, to? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Or is it him trying to, you know, put Tate in his place and be like, "I don't, you don't, you don't need me because it doesn't work." And you're a horrible person. Or if it's just the writers trying to push something on us. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, there's a, there's a line here where Ben says to Tate something like, we're not so different, Tate. And I said to myself, like, uh, yeah, you are. You didn't, like, <laughs> commit, like, a series of, you know, you did some shitty stuff, Ben, but you didn't commit a atrocity. <laughs> yeah, you, know? you were, you know, you your sin was infidelity. Uh, <laughs> Tate murdered, yeah. like, many many people he's a serial killer now so he's 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 definitely a serial killer um but i think that the writers really want to hammer home in this scene that like tate really did go for it through a transformation because basically ben says to him you know you're incapable of remorse um and to prove him wrong tate admits his wrongdoings we finally see of course it's supposed to be a powerful moment for us because for the first time he's willing to talk about the things he's done call them as they are take responsibility for his actions um I don't know. It, yeah. He's lonely, and it, it is it is a surprisingly powerful moment in that way. At least it was yeah. for me. It felt, no, it felt genuine. I, I think it was um, as genuine as a psychopath can be, because he definitely is one. Um, and I think the reason is Violet, obviously. That's why he's so, or trying to be remorseful, even though maybe not, you know, inherently part of, or innately part of his genetics <laughs> um but ben does say something along the lines of you know you can't you know you do anything different like you can't go to the 15 kids you killed and apologize to them and get their forgiveness like i can't absolve you you need to go to them and you can't because they're dead so you're like this is your life like you can't and that really i think hits tate hard uh realizing how much of a hole he put himself in by acting like an psychopath uh killing all those people but also um realizing way too late to to try to find redemption because of wanting to save and preserve violet the one pure thing that he has discovered in his afterlife right yeah and i and you know we see the very end of course like he seems like he at least for violet's sake he's dedicated to doing whatever it takes to earn her forgiveness or change her view of him. So, you know, at this point we don't really know what that's supposed to mean. 
Um, of, then, meanwhile, you know, Vivian is finally able to play the cello in the empty house like she did in her dreams, <laughs> um, which is, you know, it, it finally is a peaceful place for her. I think that's getting hammered home, too. Um, then that's, of course, when she hears the baby, goes downstairs, and we learn that the baby was not stillborn. It, like, lived for just a second before it died, and thus it can live as a baby in the house in perpetuity. Right. And Nora, as we always knew, not much not of a mother. <laughs> she, she had a baby back and quickly realized it was not for her. Um, she calls him she's, noisy little monster. <laughs> yeah, she's horrible. Did you watch The Undoing? Lily Rabe was in The Undoing, and it was uh, fun. I don't uh, think I did. Oh, that's a, that was on HBO recently. But uh, yeah, she she was a good character. Oh, that. the yeah, I didn't watch it. I know you're talking about the Nicole Kidman one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I did not watch that yet. Um, and then we get a, a pretty sweet moment where Moira is holding Vivian's baby and asks her to be the godmother. Of course, this is a I symbolic act because you're only a godmother if the parents die, right? right. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's 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 still meaningful. It's still she meaningful. Asking her essentially just be like anti-moira you know yeah yeah and the curtain falls on the the Harmon family and moira who's now like an honorary member of the Harmon family as they we get our holiday episode just in time for the holiday season yeah, they're decorating the tree together um you know they seem happy they seem contented while you know hayden and tate watch sadly from outside they hold no power anymore because everyone is dead already what can you do this is the worst scene possibly of the entire season i hate this <laughs> hallmark shit um i we've already had enough saccharine scenes um with you know the the scene right before ben dies with the family kind of like saying their piece to each other loved it that got heartfelt that was good enough um and then the moira and vivian scene right before this where she has to be a godmother is it necessary? No, but I like we like these people, so we're, it's good to see them be happy with each other, even in death, and find a new common ground. Um, did we need the Christmas decorating the tree scene? No, we didn't. I mean, I, I think the first time I watched it, I was like, that oh, was cute, that was fine, whatever. This time, I'm like, this is just fluff. Um, I, I don't, I don't understand the the need for it. I think we got the point um, that they're a family now. What we, what I think they're trying to show us is that Tate and Hayden, who ruined all their lives, um, are sitting on the outside looking in and not a part of it, not a part of the warmth. I think that's all entirely fair. Now I'm going to make a counterargument. <laughs> okay. Sure. I completely agreed with you back nine years ago when we watched this scene, and felt and now we'll, we'll might as well talk about it that like in our recap previously we talked about how this ending was too clean it felt too neat it felt too corny in some parts i understand why you still feel that way my feelings have evolved i think a little bit and i'll tell you why <laughs> yes this yes this scene is cheesy and hallmarky right but i think that it was done intentionally because it feels like this is the way the season's going to end and we have every this is the this is the final scene of the season. We have everybody together in the house. You know, Tate and Tate has his mission cut out for him to eventually win Violet back, but mm-hmm. everybody's happy inside. The family that was supposed to be brought together by this house in was terrorized by it. In death, they do come together. Um, and it ends up being, you know, a little happy family situation. Uh, but boom, three years later, it's not over yet. 
Constance comes in for her hair appointment. She tells the story about, you know, inheriting an orphan from cousins. She's glowing, you know, <laughs> yep. like she's always wanted to be, you know, she, she's got a new perfect baby who doesn't have any of the deformities that she so, you know, was so mean to, you know, her other children about another, another Tate like child, because of course it's Tate's son. Um, and, and, you know, we even had this whole monologue from her. And this is, I, I think right here, I mean, she already had it for sure, but this is like what won Jessica Lang the Emmy is this speech into the mirror. You so know, ever good. since I was a little girl, I knew I was destined for great things. I was going to be a person of significance. And this mission, like everything she's been through, the horrors she's talked about, the atrocities she herself has per, you know, perpetrated, who, that she's always felt were justified in, in due diligence of this greater mission. We're all worthwhile because now she has this this you know special special baby to raise as her own, um, and then of course you know the significance she's talking about. We come to find out is raising the Antichrist when she goes home to find the babysitter slayed by a toddler. We don't quite really know how that happened, right. but then she comes and she you know she can't be mad at him, <laughs> and she smiles. And to me. I think that coming after that cheesy scene is like a dark twist on the more comfortable ending. And I think, I think it worked for, I, I think actually now watching this in 2020 where, where I'm at now, I think it works for me. I think it does. Mm-hmm. I think it's like, it, okay. it kind of is a, a twist on the, on the cheesy ending. Um, yeah. And I, I liked it. I, I actually did like it. So I will say if you're like, creating a story and you want resolution for the Harmon family there was like a false ending with their family right before Ben died and then we've got Moira and Vivian getting sort of a resolution there but we need if you're a writer you want one more sequence where you see the entire family together so we are so we get signaled that they're okay I think we can do that with, even with the decorating of the tree. If we didn't get the dialogue that was happening, if you if they just showed us them yeah, that from way, the perspective true. and like just them decorating, then pull out through the window like in like ten seconds to Hayden and Tate, okay. and I think that would have been a little more than them being like, who's gonna sing the Christmas carols? Was the turkey ready? You know, shit like that. No, I think that's totally fair. I think that's fair. Um, but yeah, it's funny. I do feel like uh, maybe it's also just this like this season and like wanting, uh, you know, maybe I was in a place where I was like more feeling more comfortable with darker crap like nine years ago. <laughs> but the way this world is now, I'm like, you know, that's, yeah. that's a good ending for them. Um, and of yep. course, you know, I also feel like the writers were smart to not end on that note. And at the end of the day, it was a story about the Harmons, but also they knew the real star of the season was Jessica Lange and Constance. Mm-hmm. And that's what we get at the end, right, is, is that recognition. And I'm so happy that she's like the final, the final scene, the final sequence. So all that being said... Let's start out with the rating for this episode. Okay. I think I hit everything that I was going to talk about with this episode. Um, I think it does its job. I thought it was, overall, I think it was pretty great. Um, The more I sit with it, it's hard. Final episodes are really hard because they, they, their, their job is to tie up the strings or the loose ends on whatever we need to be, that need to be tied up. Um, at the end of the season for our characters. 
I wish that we, and I get why the Ramos family was important because it shows us what the Harmons knew mission in life is going to be and they're just going to protect the people from like families from this house so they don't have to do deal with what um they went through uh i feel like we spent a lot of time with the ramoses even though maybe we didn't um i and I, and so that's one thing where i wish we had spent more time maybe going to the other ghosts and finding resolution for them in their lives uh, just because we met so many of them uh moira is the one that comes to mind the most yeah she gets to be friends with them and we'll have to wait six more years for her resolution uh so i I think i would have preferred or like chad and patrick they weren't even in this episode and we spent way more time with them than i originally remembered so i and their beats kept being the same i think they could have you know uh, anyway i think spending more time with some of the people we'd already met even instead of meeting new people and trying to get connected to them just so we can see what the mission for the um, Harmons was going to be for the rest of their lives, for eternity. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just kind of a bigger thought. And and then the other one I mentioned is that it, if Ben had not died, that would have been a really interesting direction to go with this ending to see what, what they could have done with that. And I'm curious if that was ever on the table. Because um, Hayden showing up at the end is very... This he he also kind of had to die man. though in order for Constance to get the baby. That's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, in that instance, yeah. Or he could just, well, yeah. Or she could have swapped the baby. I don't know. They they could have done something. I think. I know Constance needs to get the baby. Um, maybe he loses it in another way because I think the penance for. Ben to live a life without knowing that he screwed up so much and it was his maybe that's too dark for him because he he really tried to be apologetic <laughs> I think I do generally believe that he was trying to make amends and do the right thing uh, after screwing up yeah. with Hayden and you know whatnot uh, so to live a life knowing that he killed indirectly his family is pretty awful uh, or seeing him become the next uh, Larry would have been sort of that trajectory. Yeah. Um, anyway, okay, so those are my kind of general over overall thoughts. Um, I grew to really connect with the Harmons toward the end and definitely in the beginning. The middle was kind of frustrating, but I think this episode did a good job of reminding me why I actually do care about these people. Violet's a little too edgy for me as, as a 17-year-old, but the family loves her and they work together, so it's good. I would give this episode four and a quarter rubber man suits. Solid, solid rating. You know, I loved this episode. I think it might be one of the best series season finales of any American Horror Story season. And I think this is why mm. I'm, it makes me gl- like, honestly, I feel like I was like, almost like had a sigh of relief after this. Cause like the season held up in my eyes. Um, maybe even this episode ended up playing out in my mind better than it did back then, because I understand totally what you're saying about the Ramos family and stuff. But I also feel like the, the Ramos fa- Ramos family narrative is not actually about the Ramos family. It's about, it's ben not, and Vivian. yeah. Yeah. And it's about, I mean, it's one, yeah, they have their redemptive moment in the study and things like that before he dies. But I also think, like you said, this this becoming their mission and them working together in this fashion and almost in like a playful way. I mean, the way they, they kind of like laugh at each other at like after they murder each other and the Ramos has run out is the same way yeah. that the Ramos couple kind of is flirty in the kitchen. You know what I mean? And I think that's intentional. 
And yeah. so, and then also the way that like all the good spirits come and do their little cameo to be scary to scare people out of the house. We don't get like a closure on their stories necessarily, but we do get a little a little wave at all these different folks. Um, and I do think that the I I do really like that ending. And I, I agree with you that maybe we could have made the tree the tree decorating slightly less saccharine, but I really do like the pivot from the happy family ending to the murderous baby that you know you're like that that whole sequence i think just boils constance's character down to everything she built up throughout the season and um yeah that little smile after like oh i can't be mad at you after you've murdered the babysitter is so it's just it's just perfect and it's just it's just the way to end i give this episode 4.75 rubberman um it's about as, as good as as good as i think we could get and so I think that puts us at nine. That puts us at a solid nine out of ten, which I think is very strong for a finale. Um, yep. What about this season for you? Did it hold up in your mind? It absolutely did. Um, I can see. It's funny watching it as a original version to American Horror Story. You miss. You. It's it's all new and fresh and exciting. So going back, I was worried that I was going to see a lot of the American Horror Story tropes um, and pitfalls that we often see in seasons like the mid-season lull, the we have a really good idea and it works for the first three episodes and then it falls off and then they have to fix everything in the last few episodes um, or pacing issues. I think this season did it well and did it right. Um, It's crazy. And this final episode reminded us of this. The season technically sort of started like it's a a story that takes place over nine months, you know. Um, And I think that is a feat in its own that it feels so much like so much was packed into a season. Yet it was only nine months. Um because we get so many rich characters and so much development and great uh, storylines that, that we follow through from beginning to end. Yeah. There's the classic American horror story issues that show up, but they're not as um, um, they're not as in the spotlight as they are in other seasons with other characters. I, I just think this was a well thought out from a to B story. Um, I think the direction is great. I think the, um, the dialogue is good. There's some dated things in there. I don't know if Marcy's casual racism would be so funny as today as it was back in 2011. Um, I do think they, like Ryan Murphy, probably listened to what people thought about the season and and did some things for kind of not retconning, but uh, doing some work on the apocalypse season to help some of the fans out one might call it fan service um but all in all if this was the introduction to a a, a story or i guess a collection of stories an anthology that was going to go for 10 years this is a really good place to start um i, I it stands it, I, it holds up i love it what do you think important question for you first Mm-hmm. You have long-standing had Asylum as number one and Murder House as number two. Does that change anything, yeah. or is Asylum still number one in your mind? I have to go watch Asylum now. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. I because I don't know. I I I think I still 
you know, my my one of my questions for you is like, now that we've watched this uh, the the season, what season do you want to go back and watch right now? If you if you had to, I think I'm I'm with you on Asylum too, just because it now has been the longest one, um, and mm-hmm. I I've always had it as a pretty solid like sli- it slides between like two and three for me, I think. Um, so I'm curious now to go back and rewatch Asylum too and see how I feel about I that because well, now I'm feeling all nostalgia about Asylum. Exactly, and in Asylum, I equate a lot of a lot with like Christmas because of the Christmas episodes in Asylum. They're they're really good, um, but also part of me really wants to go watch Apocalypse, which isn't my favorite. But I want to like watch Apocalypse and having just watched uh, Murder House to see again, like totally. refresh myself. It was well, and I wrote down five. some notes about what happens in there in that kind of ep, ep, what we'll call like an, an additional epilogue in a second. Um, okay. But before we get to that point, I yes, I, I want to say that for me, I think like I was saying, kind of talking about the the final moments of this episode, it reinforced Murder House is number one for me. I think that the season held up really well. There was a couple points in the middle, like but only really it was like maybe two, maybe three episodes where we were like, eh. we felt like this slipped a little bit. Got off track slightly, mm-hmm. but I felt like they pretty pretty quickly got back on. There was, of course, there was things that we were critical about along the way, but I think the season was tied together in a lot stronger way than a lot of future seasons are. And the, the I mean, the Harmon family coming full circle, like the Constance's character coming full circle, Tate's journey, all those things I think were very well done. There's all sorts of really fantastic cameos. Loved. You know, Zachary Quinto, who we know comes back later. I loved Eric Stone Street. Loved, um, I mean, I, you know, I know there's even, there, I know that there's probably many others. Oh, of course, uh, Morris Chestnut, who kind of just disappears and never comes oh, back. Yeah. <laughs> He's probably just yeah, out of like, already, Yeah. I already forgot he was in the, in the season. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I, for me, I thought, I thought it, I thought it's a very strong season, continues to be a strong season. I'm glad we went back and rewatched it. A couple of our regular questions that we do at the end of a season that I haven't gotten, we've never answered for this one. Uh, Season MVP, that's, I mean, probably an easy question, but might as well, yes. (laughs) I think that's, (laughs) you know, she deserved that Emmy. She probably, well, even her future characters, she had many great characters. Mm -hmm. Sister Jude was a great character. You know, multiple other seasons we could talk about. But Mm -hmm. I think Constance is about as good a character as American Horror Story has ever, ever seen. Um, and probably will ever see, frankly. Yeah, um, best great. supporting. Hmm. I'm trying to think of like, if you took this, per- like think of someone you could, you took, I mean, who, who's considered supporting in this? The Harmons are all main characters, right? Yes. And I guess we would consider it, Tate a main character too probably yeah so I yeah. think he, so I, would, I think I think the closest I think we could consider Moira supporting yeah and that's who I would go with Francis Conroy probably who would you pick I think I mean I think obviously Francis Conroy is fantastic and I love Moira too I think you know I think Tate is a main character but I do think this of Evan Peters characters in American Horror Story Tate is the most complex um, they also have handed him some very crummy characters when we look back at Kyle and some of the other roles he's had to play but he's had some fun Awful. ones too like um, you know his character in Hotel was fantastic in, in, in some of those things as well but I think that there I you know questionable whether or not other people feel this but i feel i do i feel genuinely excuse me 
I genuinely, genuinely believed in Tate's character journey. Um, I believed he felt remorse at the end and was taking responsibility. Um, and I feel like that, I feel like that was on, you know, that was Evan Peters doing as the character. Uh, I, 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 I do want to give quick accolades real uh, to uh, Connie Britton also, who doesn't really come back in until she comes back as Vivian. Maybe, yeah. There's just something about her and maybe it's because of Friday Night Lights or like other, she's just like when she shows up on screen, you care about her. She just mm-hmm. exudes this kind of warmth that you want her to be your mom or your aunt or your friend. She just seems like such a good person that you're rooting for her, even though you don't know what her character is yet. And mm-hmm. I think that is a testament of how good of an actress she is, but also probably who she is, right? We all want to think Connie Brynn is Coach's wife from, from Friday Night Lights. Or um, anyway, um, and also her hair looks flawless even in death. <laughs> totally true and Dylan Dil- um, McDermott did a great job as well he, he I, did. They, he, they were a great couple I liked them a lot they were and they played really like off each other really fantastic perfectly yeah um so best cameo so I would say uh, like we already talked about Zachary Quinto we already talked about uh Eric Stone Street's in there we could talk about Marcy we could talk I mean there's you could talk about Hayden I think counts as supporting we could call Adelaide supporting Travis uh Nora Montgomery I think there's a lot of choices and I'm curious to hear who you think Mm, that's good i I would say (laughs) oh luke i would say i would say um lily rabe Montgomery's, or oh yeah oh yeah oh my god yeah sarah paulson she's like uh, this is funny because when she came back in season two i had to remember who she was in season one you know this is years ago that's funny when we were talking about it in the preview it's like oh sarah paulson who we had to like point out who she played like we didn't know who sarah paulson was (laughs) Now we're like huge stands. <laughs> um, yeah, obviously Billy Dean Howard. Uh, she's fantastic. Um, I would say I would say her, but I also think this is the beginning of Lily Rabe also, who had a meatier role than Sarah Paulson did in this season. Um, but for, so I would say for this season, I, I would say Lily Rabe actually is a little more, yeah, uh, made more of an impact on me. What about you? I'm going to give it to Chad, I think. I think that uh, Zachary Quinto <laughs> yeah. was was such great. a fun character. He His caddy comments are fantastic. And uh, in the penultimate episode, that exchange between him and Constance was absolutely pure gold. So great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have a best episode? I Okay, I know this is cheating, but I want to say Halloween Part 1 and Part 2, if you could put them together. I think that's a perfect movie. I love it. I, I think it's great. Um, if I had to pick between the two of them, I might pick the second one. Um, but the first one, just such the buildup and the exhilaration of what's happening. And it's just, it's so exciting. I, I think Halloween mm-hmm. uh, is my favorite. What, what What's yours? I well, think that, what'd you say? I was like, is it the last one? <laughs> okay. So I was going to say, I think that the opening episode is really good. It's a, such a strong mm-hmm. opening episode of the season. I also thought that um, Home Invasion is a really good episode that I also really like as well and enjoyed rewatching. But I do think the finale probably is, mm-hmm. when you consider it in the context of the full season, is has got to be my favorite of the season. Right. Um, biggest disappointment, and this could be a storyline, it could be a character, it could be an episode, yeah. anything. I, already, I know who this is. It's Larry. Um, I love. <laughs> That's what Dennis I'm going to say too. <laughs> really? <laughs> but like I, I had that as one of my questions to ask you. It's, it's such a. Um, I don't know. Like De- Dennis is fantastic. Love him. The character just 
didn't seem to ever work its way into the story enough that we cared about him or he was he was just wasn't relevant enough like he's part of Constance's past and he kind of is Ben's guide a little bit but he didn't matter too much I mean he helped facilitate things as a device I guess but he didn't he just nothing really happened that I that I that impacted me or was compelling why 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 do you say him as well I felt a lot of the same things about him and a lot of times like his story just seemed contrived (laughs) um and like not necessarily believable um even though like I said we end up loving Dennis O'Hare I mean um Elizabeth Taylor is is a fantastic Mm. character one of American Horror Story's best but Mm -hmm. Larry is might be his worst American Horror Story character. Yeah. The only other one that comes close for me is Hayden, who I also did not, could not. Yeah. You couldn't, I felt like I couldn't sympathize with her, you know, for. She was, she was a certain person in the first episode where, and I talked about this back in our episode one or two, and then they just flip it and make her this like psycho who stalks Ben and does all these crazy things when she was a misled college student who had was room for sympathy her. yeah like it, and then she just becomes kind of psycho and that's yeah it was unfortunate Kate Mara is a great actress too she did a great job with the character making her crazy and I hated her when she would show up mm-hmm. um but her her that character didn't yeah. work that well the last one I had was, and you've already kind of answered this, was like Diamond in the Rough. What actor from this season ends up like becoming, like really blossoming in future seasons? I mean, Sarah Paulson is the obvious answer. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so, but so many of these people obviously carried on to future seasons and were terrific. Yeah. I, I'm, I mean, I would love to see, um, I don't know if he did anything else besides this season, but Zachary Quinto's um, husband in it, Patrick. Mm. Um, he was pretty good. I, uh, I, um, I wouldn't mind seeing him in more thing in more. Um, I don't, I mean, we, uh, Jamie Brewer, she shows up. She, she's a diamond in the rough. She's fantastic. And she does some great work, especially in, um, Coven, Coven, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I agree with all those too. Did you have any other questions you wanted to throw in there that I didn't think of? Yes. Who are the villains in this season? Can you repeat the question real quick? You cut out for a sec. Oh, sorry. Who are the villains this season? The least likable character? I mean, Hayden becomes a villain, even though I don't think... It felt like that was a missed opportunity like we talked about. Um, Constance and and Tate are villains in a lot of ways, even though, I I don't know, you empathize with them at different moments and certainly... You know, Jessica Lange's acting makes it so hard to dislike her. Um, yep. I mean, Larry just, I don't know if he's a villain or not. Just kind of a flop. Um, is, yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough question. It's, I, it's like Hayden is like the one character that doesn't really get redeemed. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, Even Larry gets it a little bit. He, I think we're supposed to get that moment with Larry when he goes to prison. But Hayden's the one who at the end of the day, <laughs> yeah, she's just still kind of a shit. Yeah. the I think, and this is a testament to American Horror Story, is 
And a problem sometimes is we don't really get clear villains very often uh, or people start out as villains and then it gets all gray and which is fine and fun. But um, sometimes it's nice to know a little more specifically who I'm supposed to hate. Like Dandy. Dandy in retrospect was a very clean cut villain. (laughs) Yeah, 100 percent. Twisty. You think he is, but he's not. American Horror Story is also obsessed with starting with villains and then way over explaining their backstory so they're sympathetic. Yeah. Which is what like Rob Zombie did with the Halloween movies, I think, and I just don't get into that. You know, I want my villain to be a villain for the most part. Make him a little gray, but anyway. Yeah. I hear everything you. Any else. Other all my other Yeah. I was saying, all ahead. my other questions you answered or you asked. So nice. do you have anything more? Yeah. Well, so the last thing I was going to do was share the epilogue from Apocalypse. Yes. Um, okay, cool. So if, if anyone else hasn't watched Apocalypse and wants this to be secret, this is the time you want to probably hit that pause button. Um, but, so to remind you, we talked about this briefly, but I went and read it more closely again. In Coven, or sorry, Apocalypse, Madison and Behold, so Billy Porter and Emma Roberts go back to the murder house to see uh, the spirits and to get Tate's origin story basically um michael's origin story not tate's origin story apologies <laughs> um, at this point in time so this is you know many years later tate is still um violet still won't see tate but ben is listening to tate still kind of playing that role of like i don't know somewhat confident confidant um as as kind of tate asked him um they end up talking to constance and her requirement so constance reveals we find out later that constance died in the house she she overdosed on purpose to die in the house too but she doesn't want to be there with moira anymore so that's when we get kind of the sequence in which they help you know get move moira's bones to the cemetery finally and she kind of walks off into the night with her her mother um so that's kind of where we finally get that closure that you were missing Yay. from the season they probably got fan feedback that they were missing that closure um as yeah. you said um, so we learn all the backstory after seeing how evil Michael was Constance eventually committed suicide in the murder house and Vivian and Ben are currently estranged again because like Ben tried to be a father figure to Michael um, but then Michael grew darker after Tate when he found out Tate was his father rejected him so you know Ben stopped seeing Michael as a patient he was again same way as Tate like seeing Michael as a patient so he must have still believed in for therapy to some degree um, but he stopped seeing Michael after he saw Michael mutilate the Black Dahlia's body. So he realized he was, like, clearly very troubled beyond help. And Michael killed more people in the house and, like, had the power to also, like, dispel spirits. Apparently at one point in that episode, and I don't remember this exactly, Vivian tries to murder Michael but fails. But, like, yeah. but it's Tate's, Tate's spirit saves Vi- Vi- uh, Vivian from being killed. And so Madison tells Violet that Tate was just a vessel used. This is kind of what we talked about all the season. So we finally get like the explicit closure. Tate was a vessel used by the house to conceive Michael. So Tate shouldn't be blamed for his behavior in the house to some degree. And basically um, tells Violet that Tate is not true evil. And it leads them to getting back together, which I remember us both really not liking because it felt to Romeo and Juliet. And I still stand by that, even though I like the cheesy ending with the Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I remember that, and I think that's so yeah. Ridiculous. So, like, so that's it. Any closing comments? Yeah, it that was frustrating. It just, it's tough to, you know, retcon an evil person who did horrible things and say, oh, it was just this thing. It wasn't actually him. I don't like that. 
I prefer it to be our own speculation. I agree. Yeah. You know, I remember being so excited that they were going to revisit Murder House, and I now wish they hadn't done it. Because having rewatched Murder House, I think it was fine how it was. Mm-hmm. They should have let it be. Should have let it be. Um, I don't really have anything more to add. I, I loved this season. It was fantastic. Um, Apocalypse undoes a little bit, but for the most part, it just kind of cleans it up, um, which I'm fine with. Uh, and it's it's always fun to check in with our old characters, but was it completely unnecessary? No. Was it was it a ratings boom? Yes. <laughs> People tuned in for that episode, so yeah, yeah, it's fine. Yep, I I totally agree with you. Um, yeah, but I I I also agree that I was what fun it was to go back and rewatch this season. Thank you again, everybody, for encouraging us to do it. Um, we had a blast, and I hope you had a blast running uh, kind of alongside us and, and watching alongside us as we rewatched it. Uh, can't wait to get our American Horror Story in 2021. Fingers crossed we still get Macaulay Culkin in it because I'm super excited about that. We should all go watch Home Alone in preparation. <laughs> um, nice. As always, even in the off season, you can reach us at American Hor- this American Horror Story at gmail.com or join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash this American Horror Story. As we move into 2021, we will probably be, start- be starting to post, you know, insights we get about what's happening with American Horror Story, both the new season of, you know, the seasonal anthology and the American Horror Stories Dark Mirror adaptation where each episode is going to be its own, you know, bottle story. So that'll be really exciting and interesting too. So please catch us there. And also, if you have a chance, rate us, review us on the Apple Podcast app or on Stitcher or, you know, wherever you get your podcasts and have an ability to rate us and review us because we just really appreciate that. Um, Chris, between now and uh, some future time, where can people find you? <laughs> I am on Instagram and Twitter at Chris Husted, Chris with a K. Tyler, how about yourself? You can find me on the same at TJMoss11. Once again, it's been a thrill to uh, be here with you guys and, and go through this. Hope you all have a healthy and safe and um, lovely end of the year, and we'll see you again in 2021. Happy hauntings.